The Green Chair is brought to you by you for you. To support The Green Chair, please visit our website and purchase a lip balm at thegreenchair.com.au. The Green Chair would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we have recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. The Green Chair is produced on Wiradjuri Country. Welcome to the third episode of The Green Chair. I'm your host, Denny Maidens, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode. The Green Chair is an inclusive space for regional women to connect, collaborate, and interact with one another in a supportive environment. At The Green Chair, we believe connection, collaboration, and inclusion are essential, sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. In this week's episode, our third, I speak to Rochelle Olson, a pregnancy and baby loss practitioner based in Dubbo. Now, before starting this episode, I would like to provide a disclaimer. Pregnancy and baby loss is the topic of this piece, and it may be confronting for some people. Rochelle is passionate about working with baby loss mums, and Rochelle herself has experienced baby loss and also two first trimester miscarriages. This week is Pregnancy and Infancy Loss Awareness Week, so I thought it was good to timing to release this episode. So let's jump into it. Well, hi, my name is Rochelle Olson. I'm the founder of The Baby Loss Mentor. So I'm a lost mum myself, having had two first trimester miscarriages. And then on the July the 17th in 2016, our firstborn son, Edward, died at seven hours old. This obviously absolutely devastated me. I lost the will to live. I've taken many years to get back to a place where I sort of exist comfortably. And we now have two very energetic little boys, Earthside, aged two and five. And I'm actually a consultant pharmacist by trade but I've trained as a and become qualified as a pregnancy and infant loss practitioner, a grief and loss support worker and a mental health first aider so that I could create the baby loss mentor that delivers mentoring programs and services specifically to essentially fill the gaps I experienced in support for baby loss mums. I guess even just off that is I didn't even realize like how you can train to become that. So how did you even find out to train to do what it is you do? Many years of searching for my people. Yeah. <laughs> but ever since this happened, I've wanted to be in that help space. What was available to us here rurally, I live in Dubbo, New South Wales. What was available to me here is not specific enough to baby loss that I would like. And so I just kept searching. And one day an institute in healing through pregnancy loss came across my radar and I ended up doing the course and setting up programs and becoming a practitioner in in that. So it's just all constantly researching and searching. (laughs) Until you experience something or go through something or somebody close to you, that's when Mm. you start to, you know, do that education and find out things and go through that path of, you know, deep diving into find those places because, yeah, I wouldn't have had any idea of where to look to be able to get those qualifications or skills. And especially I think in regional Australia, I think, well, for me anyways, it's, you know, there's been these certain sets of jobs or things, career paths or opportunities that you can go down. And unless you have that life experience or anything like that, it's very hard to navigate that, especially here without having that. And it's not like you can go, oh, look, there's TAFE there offers that course to help, you know, women regionally or whatever else like that could, that's a very challenging task in itself. 
absolutely. Thank goodness for technology, but also, damn it, because, yeah. you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Thank goodness for people like me who, who have that drive to find information and find myself. If it's not going to be handed to me on a silver platter or it's not going to be available, I'm going to find it and then I'm going to create it. And that's just who I've always been. But damn it for people who really need the support and really need the help and they only get as far as Facebook or Instagram or something like that and it's just not enough. It's not all that they need. They don't find the community they need. And yeah, so it can be that, as I said, double-edged sword when seeking out your help or what you want to do. And I guess too, though, that you come from that helping background, I guess, anyways, being a pharmacist and things like Mm -hmm. that. So that already comes naturally to you. So it's then a natural, I don't want to say transition really, but it it is that. Progression. Yeah. It is a transition. It's a a transformation in career, but it's because of, as you said uh, before, it's a lived experience. No one would know to do this unless through it. And of course, now I know several people that do it because I say it's a bit like when you buy a new car, like, you you know, I've got a black Prado and I'd never seen a black Prado, not really seen a black Prado around town until I bought one. And now it's everywhere. Like it's once it's in your peripheral vision, you start attracting that kind of, or you start being more aware of it in your community and therefore more information comes to you or becomes available or whatever. You just kind of build it up that way, build up what you know about it that way. And it all stems from lived experience, definitely. No. And Mm. that's, I think then too, you've got that lived experience. You can relate to people on a level that nobody else can. Yeah. And that's worth more than anything because like, as we were just talking about before we press the magic button is that it is hard to have these conversations and try to support people when you don't want to say the wrong thing or you don't want to ask a question if it's, it's really hard sometimes to read those situations to support people or all those things. And I guess is having these conversations, having the support that's out there and knowing where to look or where to go does make the conversation so much easier. Yeah, it is uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable topic. It's an uncomfortable conversation. And I strive to have resources on my website that are for family and friends for that reason. What to say to them, what to give to them when a baby dies. What do I do? I've just found out, you know, what do I do with my for my friend whose baby just died, who just lost a pregnancy? So it's important to have that information available. And my biggest piece of advice for people who may be confronted with baby loss, find it uncomfortable, don't know what to say, is first of all, put yourself in their shoes. You know, is uncomfortable, but you wouldn't like to be ignored. You wouldn't like everyone around you to be silent and ignoring that it happened. But also the years of being silent, and we talked about this, uh, rural communities are extremely resilient and unfortunately very versed in grief and loss and just get on with it mentality is actually can be really damaging for people who really, really need help to actually be available for those people and to care about what's happened to them and care for them is really important. So as uncomfortable as you may feel approaching the topic, imagine how uncomfortable that mum and dad is. You know, you take a step back and you think about all of those things and it's like, Mm. well, actually, I just need to rip the Band-Aid off and have those, you know, difficult conversations Mm. and support people. And it is, it is changing the mindset 
of ourselves and the ones around us. I'm not in this space and it's not something I'm trained in or anything. Explain to us exactly what it is you do and how you go about supporting and assisting families that have experienced this loss. My mentoring work is focused wholly and solely on baby loss mums who I lovingly refer to as blossoms as a bit of play on words. So I provide programs as well as the development of resources and community and events for them. It's central to all I do and it's important to me because that's my lived experience. I've been there. Baby loss changes you. It makes you question your values. The grief fogs your world. It can be really hard to realign your life and your identity. So I help baby loss mums to find a way to navigate through their journey no matter where they are but also if they want to honour their babies in a certain way or whatever. It's always tailored to them and so I've created through becoming a practitioner I've created very balanced programs for the baby loss mums that they can see me with which is available no matter where you live because I've made sure it it can be done via the beauty of the internet. There's probably two other factors maybe three to my to how I support. I also have an employer program so that's a program where employers implement me to be available if they have an employee or client experience pregnancy or infant and loss so that in a timely manner they're supported in their journey and the employer also will have contributed you know a really valuable thing to their employee who's lost this baby then I think it's really important that we have a community of blossoms that we can bounce things off each other that we can hold each other up when times are tough that we can use our really dark humor have a joke around that only maybe people whose babies have died might get which sounds really dark and horrible but it's actually like we're like at least you can laugh at this because you understand yeah (laughs) you know need that community of understanding and then I also as part of that provide family and friends resources page that kind of goes through on my website that goes through how to cope when a friend's or family member's baby dies and a gift shop to complement that with really nourishing beautiful gifts that are helpful in those early days Quite a range of things that you to help people. Yeah. And it's all the things I wished I'd had. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. If they existed readily to rural and remote women like myself, I wouldn't be doing it. They are now available. I've only been speaking to you for not very long. Is how warm and comfortable you make people feel. I can feel that. And it's not a quality that can be taught. You just have that. You have that connection with people that I'm sure it has helped and supported so many many women just because I gen- of who you are yeah and I genuinely love people and I love to see people thrive I always have as a pharmacist you know I have as a kid I got along with everyone in my hometown like I just it's who I am I love to get along with people and I love to to be a helper it's, it's part of my DNA <laughs> and it takes a very very special person to do that so no I can just Oh, you just, you just feel like I just like want to hug you. You're just so like, warm and oh, it's beautiful. I do give good hugs. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> now, obviously, I can understand what it is that obviously you do to help people. Mm. Sort of give me us an idea of what it is then that your morning looks like then to set yourself up for your standardish day. I laugh because I have two small boys and so my morning begins by being slapped or kicked or jumped on by my five-year-old for breakfast and sit for a coffee and kind of cope with my kids eating and thinking about my day. (laughs) 
after brekkie it's you know all systems go to to drop the kids at daycare or preschool or work or I stay at home with them so it's very topsy-turvy at the moment with the age of my kids it's just the season of life that I'm in morning routine is something I would truly wish to improve if my kids slept longer than 5 30 a.m but to set it up really once the kids are at work I do have an office in town that I work two days a week or I'm at home so I just center myself and because of my I guess griefy brain and anxiety I have several like little housekeeping tasks I just have to do to get out of the road before I start seeing clients because I otherwise I can't focus. I don't really have much of a routine in the morning until my kids go to school. I don't think I will. No. <laughs> Small kids, it's hard until they have to actually be somewhere and they wake up early and I'm not a morning person. So I get the kick in the face type scenario. Yep. I'm just going to pick up on what you just said about centering yourself before you speak to clients. I get emotionally invested in things is that how do you go about not taking on people's own challenges onto yourself how do you deal with that it's taken me a long time to learn and it's something I pass on in my teachings is that we can't fix someone I'm not here to fix this I can't make the grief go away I can't do all of that all I can do is be your sounding board be someone who can help you gather some resources and gather some information and help you with coping strategies that work for you so basically it's like a tennis match but I can only meet you at the net I know that you can't come over to my side of the net and come fix me or get into my problems and there's no use me coming over to your side or you have to have the energy or the space to be able to do it so yeah I learned from a mentor once and it's always stuck with me is that you have to think of it like a tennis match and that meeting that person at the net is as, as far as you can go and hope that all of the information and all of the help that you provide can be taken on and really make a difference. That's really great advice because that is, yeah, I am that person that's like, I want to try and fix everybody or help everybody or do something like that. So am I. I've taken so much crap on board. You know, I, over the years, even before this, I, as a pharmacist, Mm -hmm. I would be wanting to go and pick people's kids up after work and like I just I couldn't deal with people you know not getting the help they needed and and I really yeah it's taken me a long time to be able to see that this is as much as I I can give and this is as much energy that I can manage then this part is your responsibility or your family or friends that are going to help you but I can't I can only do this much up to the net yeah and I think that's a really important thing is that personal responsibility is Mm. something we need to highlight more is that I find it quite interesting that it's yes we need help from others and we need all these things and providing people with tools and strategies and all those things but Mm. at the end of the day personal responsibility and within yourself it's yeah it's very hard to find that magical balance I guess too it's very hard and it's gut-wrenching baby loss but my main thing is working with that mum and letting her know that it's okay that what she's feeling is valid and that it's okay to ask for help it's okay that you have to ring your mum to come shopping with you every week for the next year because you're so anxious like it's, it's okay you know that what we feel is valid and that we're not overthinking something or we're just being anxious or or we just won't get over it quick enough or we're, oh, we're still talking about it, you know? I want baby lost mums to be able to take their power back and say, hey, I lost my baby. I'm really stressed about doing this 
XYZ job, could you come help me? No, look, I take my hat off to women who are able to continue and do things um, Mm. because I don't know if I would be strong enough. I don't know if I would actually be able to get out of bed at all. I don't know if I would be able to keep going. I I genuinely don't know if I would be able to. And the good thing is you don't know. And that's what yeah. That's that's the happy part about it. <laughs> yeah, and it is. Unfortunately, we do live in this fabulous world that money does revolve yeah. around us. Yeah. If you didn't have to worry about money, what would you see that your life would look like if you had all the money? What would you be doing? Well, first of all, everything I provide would be free. <laughs> I would not charge a single person ever again. I kind of love the flow of my life at the moment. My biggest thing is to fill my cup. I need breaks away and I need, that's what I would do. I would just take more breaks away, really refresh myself so that my work is, I guess, easier, comes to me easier. There's not as much work involved. It's more pack everyone off, go on an adventure, go to the beach or whatever, come back and work really hard again and for free and... (laughs) Uh, but I'd still honestly be doing what I'm doing. I just would be doing it for free and I'd be taking more holidays. Yeah, you'd have a bit more balance and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Holidays and breaks and oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> not just out to the backyard and kicking my shoes off and touching the grass because I need to ground myself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> that wonderful thing money is but I like how you put that having breaks and the services that you would provide you'd still be doing it it's it's that really nice refreshing thing that you can see the benefits in what you do and though you also enjoy it so obviously you're doing the right thing yeah definitely you know we were talking about earlier too how you were able to educate yourself to be able to do what it is you do and everything like that but what do you wish that you knew now I guess for when you were younger this one I had to put my thinking cap on but <laughs> what I wish I knew is that I am responsible for my own happiness and that putting everyone else before myself is just detrimental to so many aspects of your life like your happiness your health your wealth love relationships friendships I just wish I'd known earlier to be the creator of my own happiness and not somehow make that an external thing yeah because there's no use knowing when I grow up my baby's gonna die and it's gonna change everything because that would just make me an even more anxious person (laughs) than what I already was and being the overachiever that I am I would have become some sort of doctor to you know cure babies dying and we all know that it still wouldn't have made a difference so (laughs) I like that though is that it is that thing of wanting to fix everything and solve everything but you can't do it unless you look after you and make sure that you're okay because if you're not okay the people around you aren't going to be okay yeah (laughs) it's such a hard thing to navigate and yeah (laughs) I don't you wish that you knew that I really wish I knew that when I was younger honestly yeah Look after yourself first. You you are actually really important. It, and then it goes down to like, you know, you've got to love yourself and you've got to do this and do that. And it's like, yeah, I'm really busy though looking after this and doing this. Yeah. And I really need to make sure I've got this done on time. But I literally don't ever remember hearing that as a kid. No. Or yeah, I don't reckon my mum ever heard that as a teenager or an adult until I come along with all my new fangdangle ideas. But, you know, I just don't think until recently we've realised how important it is put, to put yourself first. Before that, it was just selfish. Yeah, it really was. It was you're just being so selfish. Mm. I'm really interested to know this. the answer to this question. What are you most proud of accomplishing? 
I am an overachiever, so I'm very, I, I am proud of all the things I've achieved through my life. You know, against any odds, I've always set my bar really high and smashed. Well, being the founder of the Baby Loss Mentor is the peak of that, but I'm most proud of my family, my kids, and, you know, both here and in heaven. They're, they're the ones that, like, make you feel every day like you've accomplished something and that, you know, they inspire you to carry on. They they inspire you to continue thriving and more than anyone or anything in particular has before. So I think I'm most proud of creating this beautiful little family. I'm casually an overachiever as well and I set my bars high and I want to do it all at once as well. But at the end of the day, you can see the your family around you supporting you and yep. they can see the benefits of everything that it is you do. That's reward in itself, to be honest, isn't it? Mm, yep, absolutely. How can women better support one another? My short answer is just be there. A quote I like, don't ask me where I heard it, but read the room. Like, read the room, ladies. Does does your friend need a hug or do they need a meal? Do they need you to sit with them in the depths of the shit that they're in and just be with them? Like, women need to not feel isolated and alone. They need to feel like they're part of a community. That's why women's groups like CWA and those sort of things have survived so well over so many hundred years. But in this day and age, support their businesses. Like it doesn't mean buy or employ them. It means share and tag and like in the socials. And and if you hear of someone who needs that person, give them a shout out, share their talents, celebrate their wins with them, you know. Just be kind and don't compete with each other. Like just be there for the ladies, for your women, for your group. I like how you said that about reading the room and getting people a meal is that I found it quite interesting is people seem to like to, and I'm all for, I like gifts. Everyone likes a gift as next, mm. as much as the next person. But mm. you know what? If someone makes me food, oh, I'm your best friend for life. Yeah. If you're struggling and I don't have to think about what I'm making for dinner, yeah, you've made my week. Like yeah. that's life-changing for people. It's what my gift shop was born out of too. Like, no, it's not food. I wish it was somehow. I might even somehow incorporate that one day. But a huge memory of mine, you'll see it as a blog post very soon, is 20 vases. Okay. And it's um, all the flowers I had to care for for weeks after Edward died, the, in varying degrees of dying, falling apart and freshness. And I was like, oh, God, I just don't want to see another bunch of flowers. Like, I just... I can't handle another one. And like I would, you know, I had to get my mum to take some away because I was just overwhelmed. And it's beautiful how many people thought of us like it really is. But I'm like, people just don't know what else to give a baby lost mum or family. And so that's where my gift shop was born out of. I was like, yes, it's okay to receive flowers. It's lovely. It's beautiful. But what about a, a gift of some nerve tonic tea that will help calm their nervous system that is on peak high alert right now and a nice book or, you know, a candle, that sort of thing. So, yeah, and reading the room is really important. You know, if you do drop off a meal, maybe just drop and run. You don't need to stay and put it in the fridge and whatever else. I've just brought this around. I just want you to have it. going to go now. If they say, wait, 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 come in and have a cup of tea, of course. But otherwise they'll say, thank you so much. Exactly. And they yeah. can go and keep doing what they're doing because 
somebody will feel like then they have to entertain. And yes. Then, oh, then, oh, would you like a cup of coffee? Would you like yeah. this? It's like, no, just go away, please. Thank yeah. you, but yeah. please go away. Yeah. So that's why I say quite often, just read the room. If they just need you to sit with them, if they feel, if you feel that you just want to give them a hug, that's all okay. And then, you know, just keep checking in with how you think they might feel. To support other women, that's important. You'll know. It's a, it's a gut instinct. Like I love flowers as as much as the next person, but it does become like a full-time thing. You've got to water them and you've got to do this and do mm. that. And then after the first couple, what are you going yeah. to do with the rest of them? Yeah. I literally had two good vases. I'm using inverted commas, good vases before Edward died. And I literally have over 20 now, crystal vases and bowls and boxes and everything. Um, it's actually like when I look back, one overwhelming thing, because like I could smell rotting flowers. There was so many. And like florists do a beautiful job. Honestly, it's it they are so beautiful. But even that could be one of the things. Read the room. Go in and clean up their flowers for them. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, but don't offer advice and don't offer to fix what's happened because that's not what's needed. No, not at all. Mm. Do a load of washing for them or something. Take their other kids for a play at the park or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. We've sort of briefly touched it. Access to things obviously that's a hurdle in itself. But for women in regional Australia, and this is what you do to help women, what is their biggest hurdle, do you believe, in the regions? Health isolation, I believe, is the biggest hurdle. It it takes a huge amount of effort to get support or community you need. And like sometimes that in itself can just make you want to give up because as women in the community, the onus is almost always on you to find a solution or to search or to reach out for help or support or work. As we spoke about before we started the, the interview, I'm a long-term advocate of rural health. I've, I hail from the small town of Hilston in the New South Wales bush. I've practiced as a pharmacist in Dubbo and with the RFDS and many rural and remote towns as a locum for over two decades now. But then I became a baby loss mum and my story is sad and traumatic, but the fact remains that I'm not alone, but I did feel alone. And that's why I had to find the gaps in that support for women and families in rural and remote areas because every baby loss mum, whether she lives in Hilston or lives in Dubbo or Sydney, should receive the care and support and the community that she needs to reduce that isolation because you could live in the middle of Sydney and still feel isolated from this experience. And I mean, if I can give you quickly some statistics, like every day in Australia, there are still six babies stillborn, three babies dying within their first 12 months of birth, a miscarriage occurring every three and a half minutes. But unfortunately, the stats are showing that like many health concerns, pregnancy and infant loss occurs more in rural and remote women than our city sisters. And then it's even higher again in Indigenous women. So there's a lot, a lot of hurdles for regional women. So are those statistics Obviously, for it being increased for regional women, is it? It's obviously due to the isolation and lack of services. Is that why? That's not clear. Right. Okay. I, I wish I knew. Fascinating because obviously I have had a little bit of a deep dive on the new data that's come out from the census. And mm. as always, the regions have always got 
you know, worse health um, yes. statistics yep. and everything like that. And in our life expectancy and everything is obviously yeah. impacted. So it's... I mean, as a pharmacist, I've seen that trend for over 20 years, always. But to know that we're going through pregnancy and infant loss as well, mm. even more than our sister, sister cities, our Indigenous women are having even higher rates of loss is just... It's, yeah, I wish I knew why. I don't, I've not found reasons that are clear. To my personal thought, definitely isolation, even here in Dubbo, to get to a NICU in, you you know, you've got to mm. get a, a flight, a helicopter flight to get to Westmead or wherever. So that there's so many concerns around it. Highlights a whole range of things that it's just mm. people further out in remote communities that having to experience that and then being so isolated and then they might not have a doctor there all the time to have that support and then have to wait for someone to come and help and support them and then them have to travel off country to be able to get the medical attention and that's an mm-hmm. expense within itself. It's a whole range of factors yep. that flow on from that. It's yeah, yep. that's a that's a whole thing in itself, let's be honest. Yeah. Started on health in rural Australia. Yeah, no, look, that's <laughs> that's a whole another topic that we can have a conversation about. I'm sure we'll we can definitely enjoy having that conversation at some point. Honestly, <laughs> I'm interested to know who has been the most influential person in your life and why. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me if I. This is this is an emotional one, but there's so many women who obviously deserve an honourable mention, like my nan and my mum, my business mentor and my friends. But the one person who just knocked me off my feet and showed me true love, reset my entire life, had me question everything in existence, changed my career, influenced me beyond this life is our first son, Edward. Um, <laughs> he taught me more in dying that anyone could ever teach me in this life. And I don't tell you this to feel sad or <laughs> compare you know, losses or, but I want women to know they're not alone, like that there is hope if your grief is raw and fresh. And, um, and that's why I, I strive to raise this awareness with people such as yourself, Danny, so that our babies can just be a part of normal conversation. Like, any like living babies um and and that's how I parent him is by providing these gaps to our our baby lost mums but he's my biggest inspiration and influence and he's not even here (laughs) look um I'm casually trying not to like I've got tears running down my face because honestly I just it doesn't matter how long still it's still a um it's still hard to to bring it up but I bring it up because everyone deserves to talk about their kids they really do and I think what was quite interesting I was listening to Rebecca Sparrow she was on a podcast the other day Mm -hmm. and she was talking about her loss and she was hoping for people to well not hoping she wants people to say the name of her child yeah have that conversation and how she explained it to have these conversations it really it just made sense but until you have that conversation and go oh that does make sense yes I do want to say the baby's name because it's a person you should be referring to them and it just this is why these conversations are so important to have very very impactful because you do so much more than just help people you are 
educating. And I think education is such an important role to play and especially in regional Australia because we put things under the rug or we don't have these conversations at school or your parents might not want to have these conversations. You are educating and supporting and it is whole approach to the community. Yeah. And I think if there's one thing for anyone in the community that's listening to this, whether you've lost a baby or not, you will come across it. Like literally one in four people have, women have lost a baby. You, there's, there's someone around you that has lost a baby. You might not know it. That's all. Is The biggest thing is, and that's why I do what I do and why I provide resources free on my website and I try and put as much into there as I can because the biggest and most best thing you can do for your friend who just lost a baby is to educate yourself educate yourself on what to say what not to say find out what the baby's name was so that you can say it just like you like you just mentioned Danny you know find out and even if they didn't name the baby that they'll have a term of endearment possibly bubba or jelly bean or whatever you know use that it nothing warms my heart more than to hear Edward's name because it means you didn't forget I never forgot Obviously, you're not going to remind me by saying it, but to know that you remembered is really, really special. For you to say that, for somebody else to acknowledge the name means that you rem- somebody else remembered. And that's... Yeah. I, I've often heard, <clears throat> and it's kind of a, a baby loss thing, <laughs> inverted commas. We didn't want to say it because I didn't want to remind you, like I didn't want to bring it up. I'm like, you can't remind me because I never forget. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's nice to know you remembered. Yeah. And that's really good advice because it is, you don't want to say sometimes things because you don't want to exact remind people and you just saying it then, I don't forget. It's always Mm. there. That's great advice for people. Obviously from what you do, I definitely know that in life in general, you're going to be remembered, but how do you want to be remembered? As a kid, I probably would have said like as a millionaire and all this sort of stuff. But now that I'm, you know, old and decrepit in my 40s. I just want to be remembered as kind and resilient and for just for trying my best because that's what I would want my kids to be. I want them to be kind and resilient and I want them to always try their best. So yeah, that's all. Nothing huge. I like that you say that you just want to be remembered as being kind is that you know, I get my kids reports and I must say teachers don't like me because I don't really look at the grades. I just look if the comment says that they're a nice person. And yeah. That, that's all I care about. Mine every year of my life was bubbly and talk. Bubbly was being nice. What it really meant was she talks too much. Yes. She disrupts the class. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to move on from that report and just be known as kind and resilient and trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> That was our third episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week, same time, same place with our next installment. We have some brilliant episodes coming up, so keep a lookout on our socials for sneak peeks. You'll hear from us soon.